Welcome to the Rebuilding My Inner Abbey webcast, the webcast where we rebuild the inner abbey of our hearts so that we can have a sacred place to meet Jesus. I'm Jeff Arrowwood. I'm the founder of the online spirituality program called From the Abbey. Our spiritual project in this episode is in the public courtyard of our inner abbey, and our focus in the courtyard is our vocation and our mission. So our spiritual project this month is going to be to spend some time discerning our mission. Welcome to My Inner Abbey, the podcast that offers practical strategies for Catholic spiritual growth. Are you ready to unlock your heart and rebuild your spiritual life? Then join host Jeff Arrowwood as he offers practical ways for you to restore your inner abbey. The My Inner Abbey webcast starts now. Now, officially, and by officially, I mean if you look through the catechism, if you look through the church documents, the church doesn't really talk much about a personal mission. It talks a lot about vocation, but even there, officially, the church usually talks about vocation in terms of priestly vocation or the call to religious life. The lay life is too often left out. However, unofficially, and by unofficially, I mean the writings of the saints and the spiritual writings of the church, the church talks about mission all the time. In other words, the idea of a personal mission can be found in church writings throughout history. Just like unofficially, the church has always recognized marriage and family life as a vocation. So let's get this straight right out of the gate. Everyone who is baptized has a vocation, and everyone who has received the sacraments of baptism and confirmation has a mission. The goal of this month's spiritual project is to help you to know what these terms are and how to discern them. We're not going to focus too much on our vocation in this particular spiritual project. I want to focus much more on our mission because we just hear a lot less about that. But since your vocation and your mission are so closely related, we do need to touch on both. So let's first explore what a vocation is. The term vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means a calling. And the idea is that God is calling you to do something, usually understood as a calling to be a priest or religious because of the special roles that priests and religious play in the church. But the idea of a vocation actually goes much, much deeper than that. Your vocation is rooted in Jesus's commandment to love one another as I have loved you. This was the only new commandment that Jesus gave us. All of his other teachings were intended to lead us to the two great commandments that summed up the Old Testament law, to love God with all your mind, heart, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus's new commandment takes us beyond the requirements of the two great commandments and calls us to a deeper, more complete, more selfless love. I mean, Jesus gave everything out of love for us. He held nothing back from us at all. And that's the kind of love that he calls us to have for each other. Now, to completely pour ourselves out for others like this is going to require two things. First of all, it requires grace. We are finite, limited creatures. And if we pour ourselves out completely for others, there would be nothing left of us. But through grace, Jesus calls us to love with his love. And that's where the theological virtue of charity comes in. The gift of charity is a gift of grace that we receive at baptism. 
It's first the gift of being able to love God, but it's also the grace of being able to love others with the inexhaustible love of God. Second, in addition to this gift of grace, being able to completely pour ourselves for others takes practice. Even with grace, complete selflessness, complete selfless love does not come naturally to us. We need to overcome our fallen nature. We need to grow in charity by exercising it. And that's where your vocation comes in. The Second Vatican Council taught that we all have a vocation because we are all called to holiness. This was not a new teaching. The council was simply reminding us of a constant teaching of the church that, you know, we tend to forget from time to time. Holiness is not just for the few specifically called saints, and it's not just for the ordained or the religious. It's for all of us. It's the call to be perfect, even as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The call to be holy is the call to love with the perfect love of God. I like to think of your vocation as your particular school of love. It's your training ground in charity. Your vocation is how God is calling you to learn how to love like Jesus, to train your heart in selflessness by cooperating with the grace of charity. If you're called to the ordained life, you are called to love your brother priests and the flock of your parish, and also to learn how to pour yourself out for the church. If you're called to the religious life, you're called to learn how to live selflessly within your community and then to pour yourself out for the kingdom of God in the world. And if you're called to the marriage and family life, you're called to learn how to pour yourself out for your spouse and your family in selfless love, and then to pour yourself out in service to the kingdom of God in the world. You see a pattern here, right? The vocations are fundamentally the same. Even though each vocation plays a different role within the church, every vocation leads us down the same path of learning how to love as Jesus loved, following Jesus' new commandment. And that brings me to clear up a huge misunderstanding about vocation. To understand a vocation properly, we need to stop thinking of priests and religious brothers and sisters as holy just because they're priests or religious brothers or sisters. Their calling is to become holy. Being ordained and taking vows does not automatically make them holy, and the holiest of them will tell you exactly that. In the same way, we need to stop thinking of marriage as a celebration of true love found. Those who are married are called to learn to love perfectly. Again, to become holy. And I think with all of these vocations, we tend to celebrate the end of the process when really we should be celebrating the call. We should be celebrating the beginning of the process. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say about vocation. Let's talk about your mission. That's the main topic for this, this webcast. Well, your mission is the way that the Holy Spirit equips you and calls you to serve the kingdom of God in the world. So you just heard that in each of the vocations, the end result of our school of love is to bring that love into the world and to serve the kingdom of God. That particular part of your vocation, that's what makes up your mission. But your mission isn't only about loving your neighbor and serving the world. It's also closely tied to your relationship with God. It brings together the two great commandments because your mission is actually a participation in the mission of Jesus. And that means that while you participate in your mission, 
You are actually participating in the very life of Jesus. And therefore, you're participating in the divine life of the Holy Trinity. So the service that you do through grace is actually part of your intimacy with God every bit as much as your private prayer time is. And both are necessary. So to understand our mission, we need to understand Jesus' mission. Just like Jesus' entire life fulfills everything in the Old Testament, Jesus' mission fulfills the threefold mission of priest, prophet, and king that God originally gave to the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. So the mission that the Holy Spirit gives to each of us and the graces that he equips us with most often fall under one of those three missions, priest, prophet, or king. So let's take a look at those three missions and see what each of them represents. And as we do that, try to see, and this is kind of the first part of your discernment, try to see if one of these areas of Jesus's mission resonates most strongly with you. So the first area of Jesus' mission is the area of priest. The priestly mission is to participate in the goodness of God through prayer and sacrifice. So people who have this as their primary mission might be very strongly drawn to intercessory prayer for others or to dedicate their lives to pray for the world. And of course, we see this in religious orders that live a sequestered contemplative life, where they are living in their community, isolated from the world as an act of self-sacrifice, and their lives are focused on prayer. But there are lay people who are called to this kind of a mission as well. They may not be called to completely isolate themselves from the world, but they are called to pray for the world and to pray for others. The next area of mission is the mission of the prophet. And the prophetic mission is to participate in the truth of God and to do that mainly through preaching and teaching. So this is obviously my area, and that's why I'm doing this project called From the Abbey. This is the area of teaching. But there are other people who have a prophetic mission who might be really good preachers. And this doesn't mean preaching the homily at Mass necessarily. It could just mean encouraging others with words. It could mean writing. In fact, there are a lot of great prophets out there who are teaching and preaching by writing books or creating educational programs for parishes and for individuals. It could also include evangelizing and just going out and sharing the faith with others. It doesn't have to be big and grand. And we're going to see that with all of these areas of mission. Sometimes you have people like, Dr. Scott Hahn, who has a very big following and is very, very popular. And then you have people like me who, you know, not so much. And then you might have other people whose mission is only to be a teacher to their family or only to be a teacher to their parish or their local community. And their mission is no less important and no less part of Jesus's mission than Dr. Scott Hahn's. Okay, so that's the prophetic mission. And the third area of mission is the kingly mission. And the kingly mission is to participate in the goodness and the power of God through service to others. And this mission kind of falls into two different areas. And you might have one or the other or both of these. So the first area is service. People who are called to serve the poor and to do that in very strong ways. We're all called to serve the poor. But there are some people who are, you know, that's their mission. That's the main call that God lays on their heart. People who are called to service in their parish. They are always there setting up chairs or cleaning the church, not because it's their job, but because that's how they express their love for God. That's one area, the area of service. 
And the other area is the area of administration or leadership. So these will be people who feel strongly called to be leaders in the parish or who feel strongly called to organize events. And again, not because it's their job and certainly not because nobody else will do it, but because this is how they express their love for the church by doing these things. Obviously, leadership and administration can also be applied elsewhere too, not just in the parish. You might have somebody in a particular ministry or what we more properly call an apostolate who is called to take care of all the P's and Q's, you know, to take care of the administrative end of things. You might have somebody called to that same apostolate who has the vision and provides the leadership. And then you have other people who are called to the apostolate who are very happy just doing the grunt work, so to speak, being the hands-on service people. And all three of these are kingly missions. And again, not one of them is more important than the other because all three represent how an individual is called to share in the love of Jesus. So that's the threefold mission, the three areas of mission. Now, I want to be clear. Every Christian is commissioned to all three of these missions. And that's very clear in the baptismal rite, where we are anointed priest, prophet, and king. And then in the confirmation rite, where that anointing is reinforced. We are all called to pray. We're all called to evangelize. We are all called to serve others. So as you're discerning through these three areas of mission, don't be thinking, nope, that one's not me. We really do need to be doing all three of these things. And if you find that you're not doing one of them or you're uncomfortable doing one of them, that might be a great area to start praying about. Ask God to give you the grace to activate that area of your mission. But it's also true that we are often given a special share in one aspect of Jesus's mission. So if one of these areas resonates most strongly with you, that would be the area to focus on and and to explore more deeply in your discernment. So like I said, I felt very strongly called and equipped to participate in the prophetic mission by being a teacher. And that goes above and beyond my normal mission, so to speak, to just evangelize and share the faith with people around me, which we're all called to. Now, as we try to understand this concept of mission, a really good model for us are the religious orders. A mission of any religious order is called a charism of that order. This term charism indicates a special grace given to that order, usually through the founder of the order. And it also indicates that this order has a special area of mission. So some religious orders may have a charism for healing or for comforting the suffering, and they may be founders of hospitals or medical facilities. Some religious orders have a charism for teaching, and they would found schools. So the religious order then attracts people who share in that charism or who have a complementary charism and feel called to exercise that charism in community as a religious brother or sister. And so to put that into the terms that we're using in this webcast, we would just say that a particular religious order that has a particular charism attracts people who are discerning that they have that share in the mission of Jesus. The term charism comes from the term charismatic grace. And a charismatic grace is a grace that we receive from the Holy Spirit that empowers us to serve the church. So most of the time, grace is meant to empower our relationship with God. It's meant to convert our own heart. And the charismatic grace plays that same role by helping us to participate in the divine life. So it's part of that relationship with God, but it does so by helping us to serve the kingdom of God, to serve the church. 
A religious order's charism is how they exercise their charismatic graces as a community. But here's the thing. Religious orders aren't the only ones who get charismatic graces. Charismatic graces are given to each of us in our confirmation, and we're all called to use them in service of the kingdom of God, whether or not we're called to a religious order. So how we do that? That is our mission. Now, when I teach about charisms and mission, many Catholics will tell me that they don't think that they have a mission. And I think what happens is this. We tend to compare ourselves to what I'll call the celebrities in the church, the people who have an obvious mission. I already mentioned Dr. Scott Hahn, uh, Mother Teresa, Jeff Cavins, you know, those kind of people. And we compare ourselves to them and we say, well, you know, I'm not out there attracting thousands or millions of people. I'm not even out there making a public display of these gifts. So therefore, I just don't have a mission. They have the mission. They're the special people. And I've already touched on this a little bit, but I want to really bring this out. What I want you to realize is this. There is a wide variety of missions within the body of Christ. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Some body parts are given more esteem than others, but all are necessary. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. In the body of Christ, some people, such as those I mentioned, may be called to reach a large audience with their mission, but others may be called to missions that are much simpler and much smaller. But that doesn't make one mission more important than the other in God's plan. Every mission is important, and every mission is participation in the work of Jesus, and every mission is a participation in the divine life of God. So the question we want to ponder in this spiritual project is not, do I have a mission? But how has God called me to uniquely serve the kingdom of God? Our task in this spiritual project is discernment. So next I'd like to talk about what discernment is, because discernment isn't necessarily the same thing as decision. We often talk about discerning a vocation to the priesthood or to the religious life, and we think that means deciding whether or not to become a priest or a religious brother or sister. Now, obviously, decision is part of that, but it's not the fullness of it. Somebody who's called to the priesthood, really, in some ways, should never stop discerning their call. And somebody who's called to the marriage life or to religious life, same thing. We should never stop discerning our vocation. Okay, so let me explain. This month is really about reflection. To discern really means to break something apart and then to examine each part and then to see how that helps us to understand the whole better. So discernment is a process and it's a process that begins before we make a decision and it's something that should really continue even after we make a decision. It's something that we do to analyze our decisions after we make them, to see if we're on the right track toward meeting our goals to see if we're still following God's will or if there's something else that we should be doing. So that also means that if you're already pretty sure that you know what God has called you to, you know what your mission is, how he's called you to serve the kingdom of God, discernment is still a fruitful activity for you. Reflection on your mission may give you new life and insight into how you're called to serve. And when we come back from this short break, I'll help you do that. Hello, my friends. I am very excited to share with you that I have recently finished a series of online classes called Fathers of Our Faith, and I want to share the first class in that series with you for free. This series introduces you to a very important and very exciting group of early Christians called the Early Church Fathers. 
These early saints and bishops lived in thrilling and dangerous times in church history. More importantly, they received the training of the apostles that teaches us what Jesus meant our relationship with him to be like. If you're not familiar with the early church fathers at all or have only a superficial understanding of them, this series of courses is for you. The first course in this series explains what an early church father is and who qualifies for this honorific title. The second course introduces you to some of the early church fathers in each of four eras of church history. And the third course in this series dives into the writings of the early church fathers to discover what they can teach us about laying our spiritual life on a firm foundation. These courses are available in From the Abbey's bookstore, on Facebook, and on Udemy. If you sign up for our free postulate membership at myinnerabbey.com, I'll show you how to get the first class for free on Udemy. Or you can visit abbey.ws/fathers to see all of your purchasing options. Come join us to learn about these exciting early saints and to discover what they can teach you about being a disciple of Jesus. abbey.ws/fathers or sign up to become a postulate member in the show notes for this episode. To help you with your discernment, I have five areas to reflect on. And carefully reflecting on these five areas of your life can help you to discern what God has been doing in your life to prepare you for your mission and how he's been drawing you to serve the kingdom of God. So first, reflect on your heart. God created you with your unique mission in mind, and he's been preparing your heart for it from your very conception. So ask yourself, what are you passionate about? Anything that you're passionate about could be an indication that points towards your mission. But especially if you find that you are passionate about one of the three dimensions of Jesus' mission, priest, prophet, or king, or that you're passionate about some aspect of serving the kingdom of God. Maybe you're passionate about hanging on to truth in a culture that is rife with the modernism and relativism. Maybe you're passionate about serving the poor in your local St. Vincent de Paul Center. And that can be a very strong sign of your mission. Now, we do have to be careful here, though. There are drawbacks to the old quote-unquote follow-your-heart theme. Remember that our hearts, and therefore our passions, are fallen. They are victims of original sin. And some of our passions, such as, you know, my passion for steak and coffee and chocolate, aren't necessarily born out of my mission or even my holiness. They may just be born out of my wayward appetites. On the other hand, you know, some religious orders do support themselves by selling chocolate or coffee. So you never know. Anyway, the point is that we're not just going to identify our passions here. We're going to be praying about them. We're analyzing them. We're thinking about them. We're looking for clues of the mission that God has laid on our hearts. The next area to reflect on is the area of your natural abilities. God gave each of us natural abilities. Even if you think you are the most untalented person in the universe, I guarantee you that you have certain natural abilities that other people don't have. So what are you naturally good at? What comes easy for you that other people struggle with? Now, again, like I said before, don't dismiss your abilities just because they aren't the most obvious or the most acknowledged strengths in our culture. I mean, you may not be super strong or athletic or have a beautiful voice or be an amazing artist, 
Now, if you are, then great, you've just identified some of your natural abilities. But these are the bigger and more obvious ones that kind of catch people's attention in our culture. Maybe you're good at organizing things. Maybe you're a good listener that people really open up to. Maybe you're good at creative problem solving. You may never catch the attention of the culture or a large group of people, but you have talents that serve others. God gave you your natural abilities, and one reason for those natural abilities is to help you serve your mission. So if you can identify what you're naturally good at, you can gain some clues to how God has equipped you to serve his kingdom. So spend some time this month thinking about your natural abilities, but do more than just think about them. Take inventory of them. Write them down. Pray that God will show you how he might be calling you to use them to serve others. In addition to your natural gifts, God also gives us supernatural gifts, and that's the next area for reflection. These God-given treasures come to us through the Holy Spirit in the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. The first area to look for your spiritual gifts are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, in general, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to help us to deepen our own relationship with God. But sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us an extra dose, if you will, of one or two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we can use those gifts to serve the church. For example, I seem to have the gift of understanding and wisdom very, very strongly, and they serve me very well in my teaching mission as I'm able to share meaningful insights into the faith with others and also to help others connect with their faith. So the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are a really good place to start your discernment of your spiritual gifts. But there are other spiritual gifts as well, and these are more directly called the charismatic graces. And remember, a charismatic grace is a grace or a gift given by the Holy Spirit that's specifically intended to be used to serve the kingdom of God. St. Paul talks about specific charisms or charismatic graces in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we mentioned before, and also in other of his letters as well. And these charisms include things like healing and prophecy and teaching and speaking in tongues and many, many others. In fact, there is no single list of charismatic graces like there is for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, charismatic graces come both big and flashy and plain and simple. And the point that St. Paul makes is that no charismatic gift is any better than the rest because they are all meant to serve the church and to participate in Jesus' divine life. So how do you know that you have a spiritual gift, especially a charism? Well, the sure sign is that your sense of purpose and mission is met by results that go beyond your own abilities. For example, I am moved to teach, and very often I have people come up to me and say, wow, this was very insightful. And I ask them what they found insightful about what I taught. And the thing that they're saying is insightful wasn't something I was even aware that I said. It wasn't something I had planned in the lesson. So the Holy Spirit teaches through me beyond my own natural abilities. That's a charism. So spend some time this month thinking about how the Holy Spirit has equipped you with grace that is meant to serve the kingdom and how the Holy Spirit has been working through you or could be working through you to do more than you could on your own as you actually cooperate and partner with God in the mission of Jesus. Hey, my friends, it's Jeff Arrowwood here. Be sure to visit MyInnerAbby.com for show notes for this episode and to dig deeper into this month's topic. There you'll not only find links to resources mentioned in this webcast, but you can also sign up for a special bookstore offer on other resources that will help you to discern your mission. Visit MyInnerAbby.com as soon as this episode is over and keep on learning and growing in your faith. 
Better yet, become a postulant member of From the Abbey for free and get bonus resources such as the project guide for this month's spiritual project and a free ebook to help you discern your mission more deeply. The next area to reflect on as you discern your mission is your personality. Your mission isn't just something that God is calling you to do. It's part of who he is calling you to become. So ask yourself the question, who is God creating me to be? And take this question to prayer. Developmentally, large parts of your personality are already established. Psychology tells us this. But as the Holy Spirit does its work of conversion within you, he is still molding your personality as well. And that means that you need to consider both who you are now as a person and who you are becoming through grace. Considering your personality while you discern your mission helps you to clarify a few things. And these things are very important. So first, serving the kingdom of God is all about serving your neighbor. So it's important to understand how you interact with others. Do you get energy from being surrounded by a lot of people or by being more intimate with a few people at a time? Are you good in front of a crowd or a classroom or are you better one-on-one? Knowing your personality can help you to understand how you meet life's challenges and choices, especially on an emotional level. Do you tend to respond emotionally first and then engage your mind? Or do you gather all the facts before you even start making a decision and let your emotions follow your choice? As you spend some time thinking about and reflecting on your personality, I do have a resource to share with you. I highly recommend the book called The Temperament God Gave You. This book taps into the classic understanding of the human personality without ignoring the more modern understandings of personality as expressed in psychological theories and in inventories such as the Myers-Briggs Personality Type Inventory, which you may have heard of. This is a great place to start understanding your personality, and you can find this book linked in the show notes for this episode. The final area of discernment is the area of your past experiences. God has been preparing you for your mission all your life. So by looking back at the past experiences that have a defining influence on your life, you can often see patterns that reveal the path that God has led you down. Some of these experiences may be powerfully positive experiences. Think of times when you've been drawn to service or leadership or where you've been called to assist others and you felt really good about the contribution you made, even if that contribution was relatively small. Some of your defining experiences may be surprises. Think of times when the unexpected has happened or when you thought that you were going in one direction and God took you in a completely different direction. So here's an example of what one of these surprise experiences look like. This is what happened to me. I was in college with a college mission trip, and we were headed down to Georgia to work with Habitat for Humanity and you know do some building and some work on houses. When we were on our way, we were hit by a snowstorm near Nashville, Tennessee. And as you may know, this part of the country doesn't really get many blizzards. So we were trapped on the highway because the highways were just not plowed and not clear. After being trapped on the highway for a number of hours, we were finally directed to a temporary shelter to spend the night. And this shelter was filled with people who were either homeless or who had lost their power or their heat in the storm. And it included a large number of families with small children. So our group of college students opened up a very spontaneous daycare to help those families through the night. And this was just an awesome experience and very, very unexpected. And it turned out that this was an experience that contributed to shaping me and directing me toward my mission. Finally, your defining experiences may include negative experiences. And don't ignore these. 
Think of times of crisis or of tragedy when you were called to make difficult decisions, or maybe even called to heroic action on the part of others. But also think of times when God shut the door on you. Think about times when you went a certain direction thinking that this is where you were meant to be, only to find a dead end. Maybe a college degree that you ended up not using. Think about times when you were challenged, and even if you failed, and what you may have learned from that experience. What lessons did you gain from any of these experiences? What strengths did you draw upon? What weaknesses did you discover in yourself? What did you learn about what you are not called to do? What could you draw from those experiences that could help you to serve the kingdom of God now? So your spiritual project for the next 30 days is to discern your mission. Reflect on your heart and your passions. Reflect on your natural abilities. Reflect on your supernatural spiritual gifts. Reflect on your personality and reflect on your experiences. And then pray and think about how these things may point to how God has been equipping you and leading you to serve the kingdom of God. And I hope you'll come and share the fruit of your reflection on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fromtheabbey or in our member chat. And again, both of those will be linked in the show notes for this episode at myinnerabbey.com. In our first spot check for this month, we're going to take a closer look at reflecting on your heart and passions. So reflect on the questions I gave you in this episode now. And in the first spot check, I'll give you some more questions to deepen your reflection on your heart and your passions. Thank you so much for listening to the My Inner Abbey webcast with your host, Jeff Arrowwood. You can find show notes, videos, and more at myinnerabbey.com. Register to be part of the live My Inner Abbey audience and hear about our upcoming episodes. Or visit From the Abbey on Twitter or Facebook at From the Abbey. Join us again for our next episode as we explore practical strategies for making real spiritual growth and help you restore another room of your inner abbey.